For the reading of God's Word, we'll start with Romans chapter 12, which you can find on page 947, if you want to use the Bible that's in the pew there. I have three passages to read concerning gifts in the church. Actually, we'll begin on page 948 with verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is just a representative, not an exhaustive list, because each list is different and uh, probably doesn't cover everything But he gives a representation of those things. And then we'll turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. That's the next letter, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. And we'll begin here with verse 4. You'll quickly catch the same theme. Now, there are varieties of gifts... But the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? That's always funny, you know, to think of an eye, I guess, rolling uh, along or whatever. Uh, If the whole body uh, were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear where it would be the sense of smell. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And then finally... 1 Peter, which is toward the back of the Bible. And you'll find this on page 1016. 1016. Just a couple of verses here as Peter touches on this subject. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He puts all the gifts in two categories, speaking and serving. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray, give us your spirit, even as you've by your spirit given us this word. Give your spirit that we may understand your word, that we may apply it in very personal ways to ourselves and to uh, our body, Lord, this, this body of believers. Bless us, Lord, for your glory and honor. Amen. Diversity is our subject today, the diversity of God's grace. And talk about how God's grace is given to all the body for all the body. And how God's grace is scattered amongst uh, God's people. And just to rehearse a little bit for us uh, how much God loves diversity, okay? so that we can all the more appreciate the fact that we are diverse in our gifts, diverse in our personalities, diverse in everything there is about us, that we're each unique, wonderful individuals. Uh, Now, these are uh, changing numbers all the time, but just something to think about. There are, for instance, 31,300 species of fish in the world. Now, God didn't want to do just 200 or maybe 500 species or maybe 1,000 species. That's a lot. No, 30,000 species of fish. Amphibians, frogs and the like. How many different kinds? Over 7,000 different kinds of frogs. Reptiles. We wish there were none, perhaps. But one of my favorite moments is when Chase was a little... uh, Oh, maybe he was two years old. Kay was rocking him in the chair, a, rock, a little rocking chair. And on the window, 
there was a, a lizard. And he said, dinosaur! Because <laughs> he had seen reptiles and he knew what they were. They were dinosaurs. And so there it was. He didn't know how big they were. But uh, there was a... I thought that was smart, really. I thought that was... So 10,000, almost 10,000 different kinds of reptiles, 10,000 different kinds of birds, 5,500 different kinds of mammals. And then there are things that you wish there weren't a diverse bunch of them, like arachnids, spiders, ticks, scorpions, 2,000 different kinds of scorpions. Why? Right? (laughs) 30,000 different kinds of ticks and mites. 40,000 different kinds of spiders. What? And here was, I thought, an interesting thing. I've, we all have caught daddy long legs, right? I mean, that's just one of the most fun things to catch a daddy long legs. 10,000 different kinds of daddy long legs. And that kind of makes me laugh to think God says, I'm going to make me some daddy long legs, you know? <laughs> like... 10,000 different kinds, you know. Well, what's uh, interesting about all of these is they, uh, for instance, arachnids maybe have 100,000, not just numbers of them, but different kinds of them. They think there may be 600,000 out there that we haven't named yet. Like of all the uh, different plant life and animal life that we've described, there's probably more out there that we haven't described yet. And then they say that 99.9% of all animals and plants that have lived on the earth, species, have already passed, already gone. We're just seeing a sliver of the variety of the great diversity uh, in the world. And so you can think of this, you can think of sunsets, you can think of clouds, you can think of seasons... Uh, you can think of topography, different kinds of weather. You can think of rocks. Uh, you can think of music. You can think of anything in this world, different cultures of people, etc. And we're just surrounded at every hand by the amazing, glorious diversity of God. In some way, apparently, this is how his creative genius and wisdom and goodness and power, it's like the spectrum, you know, of creativity that has gone forth from God. And we're no less that as the church of God uh, with a rich diversity that we have in unity. And the interesting thing, as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians, you can't be a body without the diversity. Is an eye a body? Is a whole foot a body? Is a finger a body? Is an ear a body? No, A body of necessity has amazing number of parts. And when you start thinking on the micro level and you start thinking of things that regulate my potassium level, you know, in my body, it is astounding the billions and billions of parts that make up the one body. And so diversity is critical for unity. Diversity is essential if there is to be a body, is to be unity. And so I'm calling us to rejoice in and value the diversity of our body and to value and embrace 
different kinds of people with different kind of gifts and recognize the need that you have of this diverse body. We tend to slide in with those most like us, most agreeable, easiest to get to know, and in many cases impoverish ourselves terribly by not opening ourselves up to more and more of the rich relationships and grace that God has given to his people. And that's one of the things I want to start off with in this first point, grace spread among God's people, the outline there on page 10. Uh, for, uh, particularly as it, it said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So to each one of you, something has been given that is for all of us. It's not for you. It's for us. You are for us. What God has given you, the unique manifestation of the Spirit that is yours, is for the body. That makes you precious to us. That makes every one of us precious so that there are no insignificant people in God's church. Because to each one of you has been given this manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As he put it in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So these gifts differ because grace has been apportioned, has been given out to each one of us. And so Peter says the same thing. When he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's, as good stewards of God's varied grace. So you are a steward of the grace that has been given you. Now we talk a lot about sins of, we use the phrase sin of commission, sins that you commit doing what you shouldn't do. And then we talk about sins of omission, not doing what you should do. And often it's not as easy to feel convicted about what you don't do, but only uh, what you don't do that you should. Here's one of those sins of omission, of not spending yourself and using your gifts within the church of God, or maybe thinking that you have nothing to offer the church or isolating yourself instead of opening yourself up to the varied relationships that God would give you in this church. So think of it maybe like this. This is a little bit of a, well, cheese is one of the ingredients, but a cheesy uh, illustration. But let's say we have a potato bar. Yeah, now we're talking as we get close to lunch. And... uh, Instead of it's all on the table already, each one of us has an ingredient, okay? So, we got the potato, and one of, them, one of you says, I got the salt, good. I, I, I got the pepper, uh, I got the butter, right? You see where this is going? I got the cheddar, I got the jack, I got the blue cheese, I got the feta, I got the parmesan. Oh, good, good, we got some good stuff going here. Right? I got the oregano. I've got the basil. I've got the cilantro. I've got the dill. 
Good, good. Let's, let's have it. Let's, let's bring it on. I got the scallions. I got the red onions. I got the grilled corn. I got the black beans. I got the tomatoes. I got the sun-dried tomatoes. I got the sauteed spinach. I got the roasted broccoli. I got the grilled onions. I got the roasted red peppers. I got the peas. I got the guac. I got the chili. I got the taco meat. I got the fajita chicken. I got the pulled pork. On and on and on. Okay. I'll stop at the, before we get to clams and the like. Um, but you, this is a silly little illustration, but you see, we have the ingredients scattered among us, you see. And we have to pull together to have the whole feast. And that's, that's the way you are. You've each got ingredients, you see. You've each got gifts. You've each got a richness to bring to form us as a body. And we can't be formed as a body without you. God has you here because of your unique offering to his people here. It's interesting how Christmas lights work, right? You've got 120 volts coming out of the socket, but each of the little 50 lights is only 2.4 volts. But you need all 50 of them to share the 120 volts. And you know what happens if now they make them so that if one goes out, they all don't go out. But if you pull it out, it does break the circuit. And so this is kind of an interesting way to look at the way we share this power, this grace, this spirit that is spread among us. And you get at God's grace by getting at each other. Okay? You get at God's grace by getting at each other, welcoming each other, pushing into each other's lives. And better than a potato illustration would be this the fact that we're all starving, say, and there's this nourishing soup that we can form together that will nurse us back to health and replenish our, our bodies, and everybody has a critical in, ingredient. That's more like it. See, or a medicine that has to be—we uh, all have to get it. But it's the, the ingredients of this medicine are scattered among us. Uh, that's a little bit more of what it means. And so we each must value the multiple ministry of God's people. That's why it's good to go to Sunday school and have the further ministry of teachers in Sunday school and the give and take in Sunday school, and then to talk with people between Sunday school and worship, to linger after worship, to meet some more people, to meet people you haven't met before, to welcome visitors, to go to a women's or men's Bible study or the men's discussion group, or to be a part of mom's ministry, to go on a retreat, to have people over to your house, to welcome and value the ministry of other people. Because God's grace is scattered among his people. It's not this one-way thing. You're not the only little miniature light on the tree. You're connected to all of these lights. And you're sharing the grace of God. You've got gifts and graces that we need. And even when 40 of us are showing mercy to others, that's 40 different versions of mercy. Your unique form of compassion, your own voice and smile and eyes, your singular form of tenderness, 
Nobody else has that but you. And so it can be for a person the word that you said that morning, your interest, your concern, your phone call, your note, your invitation, your sharing of your own struggle. That changes, that helps somebody at a critical moment and welcoming that from others. There's a humility, there's a brokenness in even opening yourself up to the ministry of others. And not being isolated. It's dangerous. (laughs) It's dangerous. As I've said before, that's why it was so dangerous to me as a 10th grader in high school. It's why if I got to school too early, which I hated, I hated to do. Because I was so shy. And I couldn't walk up to any group and start talking. So I was always going somewhere. Walked for 15 minutes. Before, if I got to school for 15 minutes, I was walking. Yeah, I'm going somewhere. You know, <laughs> I was had nowhere to go. You know, but away from people, just so I wouldn't be. You know, like it looked really weird to just stand there. You know, so I at least had somewhere to go. You know, um, and and it was because of the danger of walking up and what would people think and. What are they going to say? And how are they going to receive me? How are they going to accept me and love me? And someone in college uh, really began to talk to me about that and talking about the sinfulness of that. I'd never thought about the sinfulness of that. I just thought because I was shy and scared, I have a right, right? I have a right not to minister to other people. But when they spoke of it like this, that this is a manifestation of my lack of love, and not only that, it's a manifestation of how much I despise people. Oh, me. That really shook things up. A measure of how I, even if it was fear, and even though I needed them and wanted their uh, affection and acceptance, I valued my own protection more than the opportunity to love them and to give to them. And so God frees us by His grace and renews us and brings His acceptance into our lives through Jesus Christ so that we then can begin to open ourselves up to the grace that is spread among God's people and to realize I have been given grace to give to God's people. So be careful that you're not saying, I'm not a hand, therefore I don't belong to the body. Really to isolate yourself, to not to be involved in people's lives, not to take these opportunities to interface with God's people is basically to say, I don't belong to this body. I'm a part of the body that just doesn't belong. I shouldn't even be here. That's not true. Just, just a lie from the enemy. You are a vital part of this body. You are a member that helps make up this body. And so we mustn't say what he says in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, you are what makes us a body. And your unique offering is necessary to, to us. But there's also God's grace shown in God's people. 
And this is looking the other way of saying that we will value the diversity of God's grace in others and not look down upon others because of the diversity of God's grace. This is a heinous thing where we don't hold precious one another. As he says there in 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. How often this happens in our lives. I have no need of this body. I have no need of these people because they are different because they recognize them perhaps as being weaker. And he says, even those members that are weaker are given more attention, more love, more concern. Uh, And those unpresentable parts are treated, he says, with greater uh, modesty. And he gives greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but we're to have the same care for one another. And so we come with different struggles and we come with different kinds of sinful backgrounds. We come with different experiences and some of them not so good. We, we, we come with shame for things that we've done and said and thought and things that have been done to us as well. We all have our little concoction of shame and brokenness that we bring in and we tend to think that there are these cookie-cutter good people that are in the church. Everybody, everybody in every church practically has this picture, of the cookie-cutter good people. Uh, but actually, we all are messes, and God is cleaning up the mess in each one of our lives. That's it. There you go. Each one of us is a mess that God has found and brought to himself, and now he is working on us to clean us up and to form us into something beautiful. And so God's grace shown in the diversity of problems, the diversity of struggles, the diversity of wickedness even and brokenness that we have as a body so that we create this culture of welcome and a culture of openness and acceptance a place of healing, a place of hospitality, a community of grace, a safe place to change. I'm not talking about, hey, come as you are, and we hope you stay just like that for the next 10 years. Yeah, come as you are, and by God's grace, we will be changed together. As one who's written a book on the church, Jim Belcher, describes it as not offense church, but a well church, not a fence that keeps people out and and wonders if you believe the right things and you're the right kind of person before you come into our body. But no, we have dug a well of Christ and we're inviting everyone to come and drink of this well as we're drinking of this well. That's the attitude that we want to set for our church So that in the diversity of issues and problems and brokenness that flow into the church, that there is grace shown in God's people to one another and to others who come to us. All these people are cared for by Christ. All these people within this church that profess Christ, He has died for these people and cherishes these people. 
And so we're asking, oh Lord, give me this same love that you have. I I love that uh, command that Paul gives to the elders in Acts 20.28. I say, I I love it. it. It challenges me and devastates me. But where he says, shepherd the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Why does they have that little phrase, which he bought with his own blood? Hey, shepherd them in a way of love that somehow matches the love for the one who shed his own blood for them. And I think this can extend to us all, right? Care for this church that he, for which he shed his own blood. Seek to live out that love of Christ There's a dignity and glory in forgiveness and patience and forbearance. These are infinite qualities in God because of His great strength, because of His godness. He has patience and forgiveness and forbearance. But I won't. It's okay for God, but I'm a greater creature than God and I'm not going to put up with this. No. This is greatness. This is glory. God has called us together. He's thrown us together like we're in this big rescue boat and we better get along, right? (laughs) You're in this boat and you start to work together and see what each person can bring. and, and, And actually, you see, by God's grace, we're helping each other to survive in this world. That's what we're about. This is survival and not only survival, but flourishing. (laughs) Flourishing together as God gives us grace and how we must embrace one another in this. And, you know, a helpful thing in showing God's grace to others is to think about how God is patient with you and how we must be patient with you. <laughs> and you must be patient with me. You know, you're always, we're always thinking about, ah, oh, that person or this person. And there's somebody over here saying the same thing about you. Ooh, yeah. Been around her? You know, what, what? Is it okay for it to be of one and not another, you see? And so we've got to be willing to say, Lord, if anyone's the problem, I'm the problem. Lord, if anyone could tear this church apart, if anyone could harm your church, it could be me. It would be me because I know my own sin. See, that kind of brokenness and humility that causes us to show grace to others and to embrace one another in our incredible diversity and our differences. And finally, the grace of God first spread among God's people, shown in God's people, and then scattered from God's people. You see these passages, uh, Steve already quoted of Ephesians 4.29 and Colossians 4 there on page 10. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then Titus. uh, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. That's anybody to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And he speaks about being careful to devote themselves to good works and then uh, to learn to devote themselves to good works in 
Titus 3. And I just want to encourage you that the, we need a variety of people and a variety of backgrounds and a variety of struggles and a variety of suffering, variety of personality and gifts and a variety of ways that you have forded, uh, forged, uh, your, uh, God has forged you in Christ and brought you to Christ. All of these rich varieties are needed to bring to bear on a, in a dark world, a needful world. And God has brought you through the specific things that he, he has for the specific uses that you're going to have in this world. You are a prepared instrument with all the unique trials that have occurred to you and the particular struggles. These have formed you in a particular way that God wants to use. And so you're bringing your uniqueness to bear in this world. Imagine if I said, I want to show you this painting of this man and woman. And you said to me, I've already seen a painting of a man and woman. I don't need to see another one. Like, what? No, you could see thousands of paintings of men and women, you know, because each one captures a different look and a different uh, aspect of personality, the, the eyes of uh, whatever. Each painting has these particular things that, if it's well done, that just fascinates you as you study pra- practically the humanity of this person uh, that has been painted. And this is what God is doing, painting these unique portraits of His grace that He wants to now use in the world. What if uh, a father goes to, and he and his son are going to work a whole week on his house, they're going to do everything from plumbing and wiring and and woodwork and everything in the yard, and he says, Dad, I got all the tools we need, don't worry, don't bring anything, and he shows up, and he does have 120 tools, 120 pliers, 120 pliers, all exactly the same. What good is that going to do? all that he's got to do in his house and yard. Well, look at all that God has to do in this world. Look at all the grace, all the people he wants to affect. And he's brought all of us to bear for that. And we can't say, therefore, I'm just another person. I am, by God's grace, called by him into fellowship with him my, your your own story, Cain, I've said this time and time again when we've gotten to know anybody practically, and we say their life is a novel. And some people you feel more of that than others perhaps because of all the wild things that have happened to them. But brothers and sisters, your life is a novel. I mean a glorious, rich novel that God is writing. And this novel has in it if you belong to him, these many people that are going to continue to affect you and that you're going to affect because of what God has prepared for you, no matter where you've come from, no matter the depths from which you have come or how long you've suffered or how long you were in this or that condition, all the more God can and will use you in a glorious way in this world. May we all be encouraged by this Lord Jesus who is Lord of His church and He is raised to the right hand of God far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. 
For what? So that he can do his will in the church and that he can and will use his church as he chooses in this world. That is our great hope and that is our great glory. Not just the church in general, but we need to have our piece of that pie too, right? It is the promise for the church worldwide, history-wide, but it is the promise for us as well. And we need to have the greatest expectation of what God will do in us and from us by His grace. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that You would uh, renew our hearts in regard to one another. Lord, we pray that You would forgive us for isolation. You would forgive me for isolation. You would forgive us, Lord, that we can think that we have no need of one another, that we can look with disdain on others within our fellowship, that we can despise ourselves in an ungodly way and think that we have nothing to offer to this body and end up then despising others and not loving them. We pray that you would give us grace to welcome and to reach out, to give ourselves away and to receive the giving of other people. Lord, we pray that you would continually work in our lives that more and more our gifts would be used within your church, Lord. We, we pray that we would have a, a value and a, a, it would be precious to us that we have this diversity, that we'd see it as a beautiful thing, a glorious thing, like the diversity we see in everything that you've made. And we see each person as a unique treasure that you've brought into our fellowship. Lord, give us this humility, give us this joy, Give us this love. We ask this, Lord, for your glory and honor. Amen.